You know, one of the hardest things to do in life is to make good, wise, godly decisions. Even though we're faced with them every single day, every single month, every single year, one of the hardest things to do in life is, is to make really good decisions. And, and maybe some of us are there. We, we, we've got decisions we've got to make in our life right now, big decisions, small decisions. And, and what happens is in the process of making those decisions, it can be very agonizing. Do, do I go this way or do I go that way? Do I choose that or, or don't I? And, and that pressure begins to mount. Am, am I going to do it right? And when it comes to making decisions, many of us have the pressure of getting it right, but then some of us have this pressure of like, man, I want to do what God wants me to do. Like, I desire to, to get it right, not only in, in like the impact of my life, but also the impact of my eternity, the impact of what God wants for me. And so we cry out and that, that, that pressure mounts. Am I, am I doing the right things? And what pressure does is it causes us to overanalyze things. Maybe to become a little bit superstitious, to, to read into things and decisions and signs just a little bit too much. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. I remember when I was 22 years old. I was 22 years old. It was my first ministry job. I was in the Baltimore, Maryland region. I was a youth pastor. And I, I was at the church for a year and a half, and I saw God do some really awesome things in the life of teenagers. But the course of that year and a half, I, I just realized, man, this church just really doesn't fit my family. It was a great Bible-believing church, but it just wasn't the place where I felt like I could, could serve to the best of my ability. And so at, at the end of a year and a half, I began to just kind of ask God, do you want me to stay here, God, or do you want me to transition to a different ministry? What does that look like? God, give me clarity. And we all know decisions like that, big decisions of like change job, buy house can be agonizing. And, and we find ourselves, God, what do you want me to do? Give me clarity. And I remember praying those prayers that we've, we've probably, many of us have prayed. And, and so, you know, I, I'm kind of trying to figure out what God wants me to do. And I'm sitting in my pastor's office at the church. And I, I'm, we're just kind of normal meeting. We're talking back and forth. And, and I glance over to the bookshelves he has in his office. It's full of books. And for some reason, this one binding of the book just kind of was, was out a little bit. The, the colors of, of the, the title kind of glared out at me. And believe it or not, as I looked at that book, it was the name of the church that I wanted to go to. And I was like, well, thank you, God, right? Like, it must be a sign from the Lord Almighty above. Like, ah. <laughs> And sometimes we read into things a little bit too much, and we're like, that's got to be from God, right? And my question that we're kind of wrestling with in this series is, is that really how God works? Is that really how God shows us what he has for us in life through the binding of books? Because many of us, we have decisions to make, right? And we kind of feel a little bit like a game. You ever heard of the game named Plinko? At all of our campuses, if you heard of Plinko, throw your hands up in the air. Let me see them. Yeah, you've seen the game Plinko. And I think Plinko actually gives us a little bit of a feeling of how we make decisions in life or how we feel about trying to navigate God's will. Because all of us have decisions to make, right? Should I retire this year or next year? Should, should we buy this house or should we continue to rent? Should I transfer jobs or not? Should I date this girl or guy or not? Should I marry this person? Like life is full of decisions. And the hard part is knowing what God wants me to do. And I would bet... There's two groups of us here today. The first group of people, you know, you, you've got a decision to make, right? 
And here's the problem is, is you, you want to know what God wants, but there are all these options. Like I can do this, I can do that, I can choose this, or I can stay here. And out of all of these options that we can choose from, we have no clue which one God wants. It's anybody's guess. Like this could be God's will, or, or maybe it's that, or maybe it's here, or maybe it's that. And, and we go to make a decision, and we have all these other decisions we got to make, and we let it go, and we're like, come on, baby, land in God's will. Is that God's will? I don't know. That's how some of us feel. But then there's, there's some of us, we're, we're making decisions and you know what, we know, man, this is God's will and so is this. Like the, I've, got, I've got, this is God's will. I, I know this is what God wants for me, right? But the problem is, is I'm up here and I have all these choices to navigate through and, and the problem is not knowing what God wants for me, it's knowing how to get there. Do I, do I start here? Do, do I start here? Do I go here? I mean, how many of you think, if we're going to land in these two spots, where would you like me to start? Is this good? You feel good? Okay, no one feels good about that. How about here? Okay, right here? Let's drop it right here. Come on, baby. Oh, who made that choice? That's the problem in life. I, I know God has this for me and he wants this for me, but how come I always end up over here? And that's the hard thing about life, and that's why we're having this conversation. How do I know and how do I discover God's will? Not just know it, but be able through the chaos of life to get where God wants me. And so we're in this series, week two, of waiting for a sign. And let's just review for a little bit. We talked about God's will, right? The big picture of God's will. You break it down into three categories. God's will of decree, that's the things that shall be. We don't have a choice in them. From the beginning to the end, God said these things are gonna happen and it doesn't matter what we think or how we choose in life, they're gonna happen, things that shall be. Then we talked about God's will of desire, right? We're gonna talk a lot about this today. These are God's desires for your and my life based off of who he is. Things that should be true about us if we're truly trying to follow God. And then the third category of God's will, God's will of direction. This is the gray areas in life where if you find yourself within the decrees of God and the, the desires of God, you kind of have the freedom to choose. And then we talk about how we discover. Ultimately, how we discover God's will through three filters. The first one, God's people. Secondly, God's word. Third, his spirit. And last week, we talked all about how God uses people in our lives. If we would just ask for guidance, if we would ask for wisdom, God will use people to show us the potholes and reveal good paths. And so we have to have the right people in our life to find the right path. If you missed uh, week one, I'd encourage you to go back online. You can watch it. It's easily available. But today we're going to talk about this second area, the second thing that God uses to reveal his path for us. It's called his word. But before we dive too deep into the details I wanna kinda of give us, a, again, a big picture of God's will, some things that you need to know and understand. The first one is this, Satan wants us to be confused, directionless, and ineffective. When it comes to God's will, here's one of the greatest schemes, brilliant schemes of our enemy, the devil, Satan. Is he knows, is if he can get God's people to chase a good thing, if you wanna follow God, your desire is to chase after God's will. But the enemy is so good at making God's will, which should be clear to us, he makes it confusing. And he gets us on this aimless journey where we chase after something that we're not sure we can truly find. We're confused. And what happens is when we're confused, we're directionless. We don't make decisions that we should make. And at the end of the day, the enemy wins. Why? Because God's people 
are ineffective. We don't make decisions. We, we stand there agonizing decisions that we should know, that should be clear to us. We're confused about it. And then we don't end, end up doing anything for the kingdom of God. And the enemy was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, wow, I won the battle because all I had to do was confuse what God made clear, get people to chase it, and they'll be ineffective. It's not really encouraging this morning, huh? But this will encourage you. The second thing I think you need to understand is that the Lord wants you to be in his will even more than you want to be in it. That is good news for all of us today who truly desire to chase after God is he wants you in his will. His desire for you and I is that we would know his will. It would be clear to us and that we would live in it every single day and every single year and every single month. Like that's God's desires and so that should encourage us. Something that seems confusing to us, God has made it clear and he will show us and his desire is for you to be in that will and he wants it more than you do. So how do we discover it? And today we're going to talk about how God uses the Bible, his word, to show us his path. And I want to build off this thesis statement this morning. This is kind of where we're going. And I want you to understand this. The best way to discover what God wants for you is by knowing the revelation God gave you. Now notice I didn't say the only way. But I did say the best way. If you're here today and you want to know what God has for you in your decisions, in the chaos of life, if you want to know what God wants for you, the best way to discover that is by knowing the revelation God gave you. And what I mean by that is the Bible, the active, living, breathing word of God. This is our, our, our verse this morning. It says this in Psalms chapter 119, verse 105. I love this verse. It encourages me so many times in making decisions. It says this, your word, which is the Bible, is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You realize that God's word, the Bible, if we would take it seriously, we would spend time in it, we would chew on it, meditate on it, think on it, digest it, it will serve as a guide in life. It talks about a light and a lamp unto the path. And some of us, we, we have paths in, in lives, and, and what's hard is when we come to those crossroads, right? We come to those journeys where the path splits, and you're like, okay, which one's God's path, and which one's in, 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 the path I really want, but, but God wants me to go down this road. How do I know that? And the Bible says about the Bible that, man, it, his word is that lamp that shows you which path to take. There's a pastor in California, his name is Pastor Greg Laurie, and he, this is what he says about the Bible. He says, God has given us a user's manual for life called the Bible. And I wonder how many of us view the Bible that way. That when it comes to life, if I need to know what to do, I've got a user's manual that I can follow, that I can, can, I can live in. Here's the problem with that statement. When we think of user manuals, I don't know about you, but the first thing that pops into my head is Ikea, right? <laughs> You ever go shopping at Ikea, you go find the piece of furniture that you like in a showroom, and then you go to the warehouse, and you're like, wait, why does that piece of furniture come in a box full of pieces of furniture? And so you take this big box home, and you go, and you put it together with your wife, and you just pray that your marriage makes it through the journey. <laughs> I'm glad someone else has been there besides me. And inside this box is a step-by-step step user manual. Hey, follow steps one through 3,000, and at the end of 3,000, you will get a piece of furniture that looks good but really isn't that sturdy because you put it together, right? But the Bible is not that type of user's manual. We want it to be, but it's not. We wish the Bible would say, hey, in these circumstances, choose that. When you're feeling this, go this way. But that's not how the Bible works. 
But the Bible, it may be more like a, a, a map than a user's manual. And here's what the Bible does, is the Bible reveals a lot about who God is. And here's the crazy thing. If we would discover who God is, I bet you it would change the way we make decisions. If we truly dig into who God is, it would begin to transform us and it would begin to transform and show us actually what God wants for us. And so here's what I'm gonna do. Today, I'm gonna show you the two primary messages of the Bible. One, I want you to have some biblical literacy of understanding how the Bible works, why we read the Bible, why it's so important, and how those two primary or essential messages of the Bible play in our direct everyday decision-making. So it's gonna get pretty, we're gonna go through this pretty fast because we're building to somewhere, okay? So the first and essential message of the Bible. If you wanna know why the Bible exists, if you wanna know why you should read the Bible, here's the first and primary message of the thousands of pages in the Bible. It's simply this, is that you and I would be able to know God. That's the first and primary message of the Bible, that at some level, anybody who has access to the Bible would, would begin this journey that I can comprehend and I can have some sort of understanding of who God is. I mean, for a moment, think about that. That the creator of the universe, everything we see and everything we know, our sustainer, our provider, our creator, the God who loves us, has made it, it has given us the ability to know him. But how crazy is that? And here's where that journey starts. Maybe, you, maybe that's why you came to church this morning, right? You gathered, we gather as the church, and, and you, you have this desire, you're, you're walking through life and you sense there's a God, and you're like, I wanna get to know this God. Well, you came to the right place. And, and here's the reality, this, this journey of getting to know God starts with a relationship. It starts with a relationship because our sin separates us from God. Our disobedience to God puts a, a gap between me and God, me knowing God. But yet Jesus, in his love for us, came, paid our penalty, gave us victory over sin so that we could know God. And so, man, in life, when you want to get to know somebody, you're in a dating relationship, you're like, oh, hey, I, I like her. What do you do? Spend time. You, you grow in a relationship. And it's the same with God. If you want to know God, you have to have a relationship with him. And Timothy talks about this. He says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. That word saved is a, a churchy word. What it means is to step into a relationship with God, to know you're a sinner, need of a Savior, and to give God your life. That's where your relationship starts with, with God and to come to the knowledge of truth. So that journey starts with a relationship. And so the primary message of the Bible is to know God. So maybe we should know a couple things about God, right? This isn't an exhaustive list, but I'm gonna give you four things about God that you have to understand. And I'm gonna work through these pretty fast. And I want you to understand, these aren't my opinions. I'm not gonna talk a lot about these. I'm just gonna let God's word speak for itself. The first one, God is holy. He's holy. He's flawless. He's perfect. He hates sin. In fact, this is what the Bible says. Psalm 77, verse 13. It says, your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. For Samuel 2, 2, it says, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Isaiah 6, 3, it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So you want to get to know God. Here, here's the first step, man. God is holy. Now, not only is God holy, but he's also gracious and loving. And, and God is love. Second thing about God, his attribute, he is love. 
We just did a study on 1 John, and here's what it says. 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not, whoever does not love does not know God, know God. Why? Because God is love. So God is holy. God is love. Thirdly, God is just. Maybe another way to saying that is God is good. Isaiah 30, 18, he says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up and show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Isaiah 61, 8, it says, For I, the Lord, love justice. So we're getting to know God. He's holy. He's love. He, he, he is just. Fourth, God is truth. He's truth. He loves truth. John 14, Jesus said this about himself. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So again, not an exhaustive list, but the primary message of the Bible, the reason why we should read our Bibles is so you and I can go on this journey of comprehending and understanding who God is. But here's what I know. It's one thing to know who God is in my head, right? Like I can list off who God is. He's gracious, he's loving, he's kind, he's slow to anger, compassionate and love. Like I can know all these things in my head, but it's a huge difference of knowing them in my head and believing them and living them in my heart. Let me put it to you like this. You know, my wife, Ashley, she stays at home with our kids. She, her primary job is to invest in our kids and their future while I'm at work. And there's certain things that my kids just know about mommy. They know about Ashley. Mommy is loving. Mommy is kind. Mommy would do anything to protect us, to provide for us. These are things that, that, that our kids, Malachi, Ruby, Kate, and Joel, know about mom. And, and as a parent, if you're a parent or grandparent, that's the first place you start in parenting is you try to instill in your children, this is who I am. Because it's the foundation you build off. But as a parent, it, it goes to a whole nother level that your kids don't just know who mommy is, but out of who mommy is, they begin to adapt the same things in their life. Like this. So Joel knows mommy is loving, and therefore, because mommy is loving, I'm going to be loving. And it's the same thing with God. God just didn't reveal himself so we could know about the creator of the universe and be like, this is awesome. But what do I do with it? It's the second primary message of the Bible. You see, you read your Bible to know who God is, and then out of that, you become like God. You be like God. God begins to change the way you think, the way you act, the decisions you make. And 1 John actually tells us, if you truly know God, the evidence of knowing God, you will start to look and act like God. Look what 1 John says. It says, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must, what? Live as Jesus lived, to be like God. So we have to understand our Bibles, know God. I get to know God, and when I get to know God, God changes who I am. And if that is true, if God is holy, then what should I do? I should chase holiness. If God is truly holy, I should chase after holiness. First Peter 1, it says, but just as he who called you who is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So God's holy, therefore I should chase after, long after holiness. If God is love, what does that mean for me? It means I should freely love. I should learn to love my enemies. I should learn to love my neighbor. In fact, John 13, it says this, a new command I give you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? 
in all the law, right? He replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So God is love, therefore I should be loving. I should freely love. Well, if God is just, what does that mean for me? I should act justly. Again, know God and be like God. He changes the way we live and act. Act justly. Micah 6, 8, it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Again, these aren't my opinions. This is what the word of God, the best way to discover what God wants for you is to know the revelation he gave you. I'm just reading it to you. So if God is truth, and, and I should know God and, and, and I should live like God or be like God, I should embrace truth. Like I should live that way. I should embrace truth in life, knowing, having integrity. Ephesians 4, it says this, therefore each of you must put off falsehoods and speak truthfully. Psalms 15, 2, he says, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Wow, that was fast. But here's where it gets really important. Right, the Bible is the best way for us to know what God wants for us, right? And you're here today and you're like, wow, we just navigated through that. Like, whew, that was a lot. But I'm not understanding. I, I didn't show up here today, Drew, to get a series on who God is. That will come later. But I came here today to know in, in everyday life how I make decisions. Like, I'm stressed and I feel the pressure of, of what I should do if I should buy this house or if I should date this girl or if, if I should transfer jobs or switch majors. Like, God, I... I, I I just want to know what God wants, and you just gave me a list of who God is. Like, how in the world does that help me make decisions in life? And I'm so glad you asked that question. Isn't it funny when I get to speak for you? <laughs> but here's how the Bible works in our everyday decisions. Here's what it does, is if we understand the primary message is to know God and to be like God, here's what it, here's what it does in our lives. The Bible creates a framework for every decision in life. The Bible is the baseline it's the starting place. It's the guardrails for every single decision that I face in life. And here's what I want to do. I want to show you how that works through an illustration. Because remember, most of us have decisions to make, right? And we're in one of two categories. We have all these options, all these choices to make, and, and we have no clue which one God wants for us. And so we're starting out of no knowledge and we're guessing and we're hoping somehow we ended up in God's will. Or maybe we know where God's will is, but we just don't know how to, to navigate through it. This is where the Bible comes in. This is where the framework comes in. And so maybe today you leave here and you're like, you know what, I need to go on a journey and I need to get to know God. I need to spend time in my Bible and here's what's gonna happen is you're gonna begin to read your Bible and you're gonna spend time and you're gonna get to know that God is holy and that God is love. And as I begin to discover who God is, here's what it does is it begins to create a framework in my heart and in my head of what God wants for me, knowing who God is, knowing, understanding that, man, God is holy, and that should mean something for me, knowing that God is love, that should begin to create a framework that eliminates some decisions that were on my board. And then you go on this journey and you continue, and you realize, man, God is just, and God is truth, and so what that does is I'm growing in my knowledge of who God is, and it's beginning to shape my heart, and it's creating this framework for every single decision that I make because God is holy, God is truth, God is love, God is just. And here's what happens, as I, as I begin to know God, creates this framework. 
that I know, man, these used to be decisions on my board, but just out of my knowledge of who God is, he begins to eliminate some of those things. And here's, here, here's the thing about this side of the board, is you can't change it. You, you might create a perception in your head of God isn't good, or God doesn't care, or God isn't loving, but the truth of the Bible is the accurate of who God is. And so, not based on my perception of God, this is just who God is, and he's not changeable. He doesn't change for anyone. And so we can't change this framework God has created. We might want to, we might hope to, but you just can't. And so this is kind of steady in our lives. But over here is where the Bible begins to change the way we make decisions. Because out of who God is, that God is holy, it begins to change me. As I read and I understand how serious God takes sin and how perfect and how flawless he is, guess what it does is it puts this desire in my heart that I would chase holiness. And here's how it plays in our decision making. God is holy, therefore I'm gonna chase holy. And so in every decision that I make, here's a question I'm gonna ask, here it is. Can pleasing God stay my number one goal if I make this decision? Can you imagine if you asked that question before you made any decision? how it would change the decisions you make. Let me put it into, in a practical application. One decision we make on a regular basis is what are we gonna watch, right? Our entertainment. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm at home and you know, I'm with my wife or I'm with my significant other, we're hanging out and we go on Netflix or we go on TV and we're like, hey, what should I watch? And, and we know God is holy and because of that, he, I'm chasing holiness. And so things that we used to watch with inappropriate content causes me to question, like, man, can I actually watch this and keep pleasing God, my number one goal? And here's what it does, is it begins to eliminate certain things that used to be on our playlist that God says, man, you can't chase holiness. You can't chase holiness. And so it eliminates those things, or it should at least. Because I know some Christians that have some pretty questionable entertainment, and I wonder, are we really chasing holiness? God is holy, it changes the way I live. God is love, and so what does that mean? It means, wow, God is working in me that I should freely love. And so when I'm making decisions, maybe I have to ask this question, what does love require of me? What does love require of me in this decision? Let me give you an example of this, okay? You have a family member, or someone's really close to you, best friend, they love God. They've been walking with God, but for some reason something changes, and they begin to step into sin. And you're battling back and forth. What do I do? do? Do I talk to them? Do I just let it go? Do I let God handle it? Like, I don't know how to navigate that. And you ask this question, what does love require of me? What does the Bible require of me? And we know in Matthew 18, it says, man, you, gotta, you struggle with someone, you go to them. And so what that does is it eliminates the option of I can't remain silent anymore. Because God has created a framework. And if I truly love that person, I'll have the conversation. I'll do it in a gracious and loving way, but this will eliminate silence in, in my world. God is just, and so therefore, man, I have to act justly. And so here's the question I ask before I make any decisions, is does this decision promote the welfare of others? So what does this look like in our life? Let's say today you're, you're, you're interviewing at, at jobs, right? You're trying to find that next career step and you've narrowed it down to like five, 10 companies and you begin to do some research and you realize, man, that there is a company out there that has been gaining money by marginalizing people. They've been marginalizing refugees and minorities and they've just decided it's, it's better to, to gain a buck than it is to treat people and promote the welfare of others and so you just eliminate that company off your list because you know God's called me to act justly and I can't do that in that company unless they change. 
begins to create a framework. You know God is truth, and so therefore, man, I gotta embrace truth. I gotta embrace truth, I gotta see the the reality. And so in your decision-making process, here's what happens is you ask this question, man, if God is truth, I need to embrace truth. And so you say, man, am I seeing the reality of me and, and my situations clearly? Am I seeing reality clearly? And here's what this means for a lot of us, we're making decisions and we just have to know our temptations. We have to know, man, maybe you're here today and you struggle with lust. Or maybe you're here today and you struggle with comparison. And you know that about you and you gotta say, okay, God, God is truth and therefore I gotta know the truth about me. And so maybe I shouldn't be on social media because all I do is compare my, my, my world against everybody else's. Or maybe I shouldn't be on, on certain things on the web page, pages alone because I know my temptation and I know and what God's word does is it creates a framework. And here's the beauty is it saves us from so many bad decisions because guess what? Man, these were all options on my board and these were all options on my board. But as I got to know God and as God began to change me, wow, he protects me from going down any other decisions that I shouldn't. And how beautiful is that? And here's the crazy thing. There's still options. Sometimes God's word will completely show you one path. It, It works that way sometimes but I would bet the vast majority of time God's word creates a framework where you have a little bit of freedom to make choices within that framework. It's not always just one choice or one house or one person, but God gives us freedom. And here's where that first filter comes in. Maybe you still have too many options here. You're like, I gotta narrow this down. This is where people come alongside you and you say, hey, can, you, can I ask advice on these decisions? Which ones? And, and people come in and they narrow it down for you to have a couple more options. So man, look, look at the framework God has created for us. In every single decision, this is where we should start. And so you might ask the question, how do I take this and bring it here? How do I take this framework and apply it to my life every single day? And you know, week one, we talked about creating a consistent rhythm in our life of asking for guidance, asking people for help in the decision-making process. And I would challenge you again to add a consistent rhythm when it comes to God's word. And here's the rhythm. Every decision you make, you let God have a say in every decision. Every single decision you make, from small to big, you allow the framework that God has created through his word to speak into that decision. Here's the problem. For many of us, we know we can't change this because this is who God is and I don't have the ability to change it. But sometimes, within the framework of our decision-making process, we don't like what God says. You ever been there before? Where you know what you should do? You know what God's word says, but you know what? It's just easier to say, you know, just this one time, I'm gonna gonna take this one off. Because it makes my decision a little bit easier, right? And this is the hard part, is on this side of the board, we have to choose God's way over my way. We have to choose to say, you know what? I don't like it, God. I wish it was different, God. But I'll submit to you. I'll submit to the framework you made. We have to allow God to have the first say. This is where we should start with any decision in life. We should say, what does my user manual say? What does God's word, what's the framework that I can live in? Because there's still choices there. Now, some of you today, you're going to hear, let God speak into every decision you make. And you're gonna go home and you've got decisions to make and you're gonna pray, God, give me clarity. God, give me wisdom. All great prayers. But what we do oftentimes when we say that prayer is we sit back and we wait on God's audible voice. We wait on God, again, for our sign. Like, God, make it clear to me. I'm waiting for you to speak, God. Yep, just ring the cell phone. Let me know. And that's not what I'm talking about. 
I think we have to understand that, that God does, this doesn't mean that God's gonna speak into every decision. It means he's already spoken into every decision. Through his word, God has given us a revelation. And so maybe you're waiting for a sign. Let me tell you what it is. It's the Bible that's on your phone. It's the Bible in your shelf that's collecting dust right now. You've been waiting for a sign. God has given it to you. And he wants you to dig in it. He wants you to know it because he wants you to know who he is and he wants who he is to affect the way you live and it will change the way you make decisions. But I get it. I get it because I live it. Man, the hardest thing to do in life is to make good decisions. Every day we're bombarded. Should you do this or should you do that? How should I respond to disciplining my kids? How, sh how, how, how should I lead this church? I mean, I, these are just some of the small and big decisions that I face. And I know every single day you're facing those decisions and you're like, I just wanna get it right. I just wanna do what God wants me to do. And again, the whole part of this series is, is to take the miraculous idea of God's will and pull it back and say, man, God has really made it clear to us what he wants. And again, to pull the pressure off of you of making the right decision. Because that's not the goal of this series. The goal is not for you to walk out of here out, out of four weeks and we're gonna be like, hey, you should know how to make every decision in life and get it right every time. No, the goal is not to make the right decision. The goal is to become the right person. And we talked about this last week, kind of our theme for the series is, is this. But let's dig a little bit deeper because if the goal is really to become the right person, you, you gotta ask this question, what is the right person? How do I become the right person? And the bad news is, is none of us, not one of us is the right person. The Bible says that very clearly. It says there is no one righteous, not even one. So none of us are the right person, but here's the great news. That's the bad news, here's the great news is although we weren't the right person, Jesus came and he died in the midst of our sin so that we could become the right person in God's eyes. The Bible says this, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him and through Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness means to be made right. And so I'm telling you here today, the first step of becoming the right person is for you. If you haven't made that decision, it's saying yes to Jesus. It's saying yes to Jesus who gave up his life for you so that in the eyes of God, you could be made right. And it's as simple as saying, man, I'm a sinner. I've got a past and I've got a future chalked full of sin disobedience to God, but that's okay, not because I can do anything about it, but because Jesus already did something about it. And you believe that. And you allow Jesus to forgive you of your past and your sin, and you allow him to leverage you and lead you into your future, the future that God has for you. Now that's you this morning. Whether you're watching online or you're at one of our campuses, man, I would beg you, man, start right there. But begin the process of becoming the right person when you give your life to Jesus. But I would bet for ma many of us, we've, we've made that decision. That's why we're here gathering as the church, right? To worship Jesus because of what he did for us. And so maybe today as we remember what Jesus did, how Jesus made us right through the sacrifice of his blood and, and, the, and the, shedding of, the shedding of his blood and the sacrifice of his body, maybe today as Christians, the followers of Christ, we take a good hard look at this board. 
And we ask the question, do I really know God and am I pursuing him and my knowledge of him every single day, eating up and chewing up his word? Can I be honest with you? Man, is you, if you're a Christian today, the expectation of you is that man, every morning or every night, you would open your user manual and say, God, what do I need to do today? I wonder if you're doing that, to know who God is. But then out of that, as you know him, maybe today we need to, to look really hard at these, are you chasing holiness in every area of your life? In the way you date, in the way you spend your money, in the way you give, in the entertainment you allow to go in here? Are you freely loving your neighbors? Oh, better yet, your enemies. Are you acting justly? Do you put other people before yourself? And are you embracing truth? Are you seeing things clearly? So we're gonna celebrate communion today. We're gonna remember that Jesus made me and he made you right through his body and through his blood. We will revel in that, but we will also remember and we will reflect on our lives and we will ask ourselves the hard questions. And so our bands are gonna come and sing and I would just challenge you to take a moment. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe it's a time for you to bow your heart and your head and just say, God, I need you. Would you step into my life? Or maybe for all of our, all the Christians listening, maybe it's a time where you bow your head and your heart and say, God, I wanna know you more. And I want, because of who you are, I want you to begin to change me even more. So our bands are gonna sing and you take, this is a moment to do that.